Well, that's it. The World Series is over. And with that, the baseball season is over as well. It's always a strange night when you have a champion crowned, the exhilaration of a World Series being clinched, and then comes that, well, unwelcome promise of a winter without baseball. But you are going to get a winter with lots of episodes of Locked On MLB starting now. You are Locked On MLB. Your daily MLB podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello, baseball fans, and welcome <clears throat> to the coughing version of Locked On MLB, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. This is the daily podcast where we talk about all of Major League Baseball. I am your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully. Today's episode is being dropped on the 6th day of November 2022, the day after the World Series was clinched by the Houston Astros. I am... An Emmy-nominated television producer who's been a writer, a comedian, a a magazine writer, sometimes an actor, sometimes a filmmaker, and I've been a baseball podcaster for the last 10 years. And I've now completed my fourth season with the Lockdown Podcast Network, where it is your team every day. Follow us at Lockdown MLB Pods on Twitter and on Instagram. I'm your pal Sully. I'm at Sully Baseball on Twitter, at least for now, and Sully Baseball Podcast on instagram so that's it the world series has been clinched and say what you want about the astros i certainly have they were the better team they deserve to win the world series this is not a slight on the philadelphia phillies is not a slight on the absolutely mind-boggling postseason that the philadelphia phillies had they gave it their all they left their blood on the field You can't look at this Phillies team and not see this was a team that gave everything, absolutely everything. But in the end, the Astros were just better. They were a better team. Now, I'm going to get into a couple of things about what I feel about this Astros championship and certainly my feelings of Dusty Baker. But let's review the game that ended just a few hours ago. The final score was 4-1. to The first, I guess, half of the game... It was an absolute nail-biting pitcher's duel. It was no score going into the six. And Zach Wheeler, who did not pitch particularly well in game two, remember he was ambushed right out of the gate in game two, but he pitched well in game two after he left those runs early on. And Wheeler was absolutely unhittable for the first half of the game today. Framber Valdez, who won that game two of the World Series earlier, I'll get to my thoughts on Framber Valdez in just a second, matched him zero for zero. And through five innings, and you knew it was going to turn into a game where they're going to go to the bullpen, although, you know, it, it didn't necessarily have to go to the bullpen when it did. But you couldn't ask for more from Valdez, and you couldn't ask for more from uh, Zach Wheeler. As you know, they just went through the game methodically. And and not there were not many uh, you know rallies. I mean the the 
Philly's got a couple runners on in the second inning. Um, but that, that really was the closest thing to a big rally throughout the entire game. Uh, Schwarber started the game with a walk, but you know, and then uh, Real Muto got hit by a pitch. But Harper, you know, Harper could not get that big hit today. And we'll get to that, we'll get to a bunch of things as it goes on. But obviously, we know what you know, in the sixth inning, with Valdez still on the mound. Schwarber hit a line drive home run with with two strikes, a line drive home run into the right field stance. And <clears throat> I just could hear, like, when something like that happens in a game like this, especially where it's no score and you just know that it is going to be a situation where one run here, one run there, is going to be the difference between a World Series champion and a Game 7 tomorrow night. I could hear people thinking, oh, Dusty should have taken out Valdez or something like that with a rested and ready bullpen after five shot innings from Valdez. Do you know what? Schwarber could have hit a home run off of anybody and give Valdez a you know credit. After laying the home run to Kyle Schwarber, he got out Reese Hoskins, he got out Rio Milto, and he struck out Bryce Harper. And so he got the team through six innings, letting up only one run. With the way that the Phillies had the opportunity to score tons of runs, we saw them hitting all those home runs off of them in game three, going one run through six innings, I don't think a soul in the world would have been happy with that as the line. And, of course, we saw what happened in the six. Wheeler suddenly had a lead, and Maldonado got hit by the pitch. Now look it. There was, uh, you know, there was a hit by pitch shenanigans that was happening in Game One in extra innings. Maldonado was crowding the plate. That's not cheating. I'm sure someone's going to try to make it out to some cheating thing because people are out for blood to find a new cheating scandal for the Astros. I'm not going to talk about cheating scandals at all today. I will talk about it in the next episode I do with Miller Thomas because I still I still have some thoughts about the 2017 legacy, but that's not for today. Today's for Houston celebrating. And then, of course, uh, Altuve hit the uh, fielder's choice, and Pena singled up the middle, putting runners in first and third, tying run at third. Now, here's, I mean, it's interesting because there's a little damned if you do, damned if you don't. And at that point, he had let up hits and one walk. And at that moment, no runs. And it was it was five and a third innings into it. Now, you could say that all year long, you know, because Wheeler had you know, missed some of injury and everything like that, you go to your better right now. Don't push things when it's a potential elimination game. But as John Smoltz pointed out, as it was happening, they've seen Alvarado a lot. And he pitched miserably the last time he came into a similar situation. Was it the right decision to pull Wheeler, who, yes, he hit a, he hit a batter and he allowed a single, but he still had a relatively low pitch count at that point. Now, 
the end result was what happened didn't didn't work. Alvarado was awful. On a 2-1 pitch, Alvarez hit the three-run homer that just turned the game upside down. By the way, Joe Davis did a fantastic job as the play-by-play guy. I have to say that. I'm not a Joe Buck hater, but I found it refreshing that it was a voice other than Joe Buck announcing the World Series this year. I thought Joe Davis did a fantastic job. But he hit the three-run home run, and as Davis said, it turned the game upside down. And look at, at that moment, with as well as Wheeler pitched, and with as big as that home run by Schwarber, we all knew the Astros were winning at that point, right? I mean, we all knew at that moment the Astros were going to find a way to clinch. And Alvarado was just awful. He was awful. He, you know, wound up walking Bregman, throwing the wild pitch. He wound up striking out Kyle Tucker, but Bregman came around to score when Vasquez singled off of Sir Anthony Dominguez. It was as bad a relief performance. It was a Calvin Chiraldi level relief performance. And look at, I mean, yeah, it's a little bit of a Monday morning quarterbacking. And if if they had left in Zach Wheeler and Zach Wheeler let up that home run, I'm sure the pundits was a why didn't you bring Alvarado? But Alvarado didn't pitch well the last time. And maybe you bring in someone else. Smoltz made the point that, you know, they, they've seen the same relievers for the last week or so in a way that you don't normally see it in a regular season when you only play a three-game series with someone. And so Alvarez was locked on. And Alvarez wound up hitting three home runs this year. All of them put the team ahead for good. Obviously, at the big walk-off home run against Seattle in the first game of the postseason. And then he hit the home run the second game of the postseason that, again, pushed the Astros ahead of Seattle. Then he went on a huge, long slump. He did get a big RBI hit in the clincher against the Yankees in the ALCS. Doesn't that seem like it was a month ago? And then he hit this one, which I think pierced the atmosphere. And at that moment, it, it was just, you know, bring in, bring in the relievers, boys. In comes Hector Neris, one, two, three inning. In comes Brian Abreu, one, two, three inning. Uh, in comes Presley. He winds up letting up a single to Riamulto. But Harper pops up on the first pitch. And with that, you knew it was over. Castellanos also wound up flying out on the first pitch. And that's how fast that last inning was. You know, Hoskins uh, flew out on a, a one and two count. But for everyone else, first pitch swing for Rio Muto, first pitch swing for Harper, first pitch swing for Castellanos, World Series is over. Now, the single strangest moment of the game took place in the top of the eighth inning. Uh, Stott and Marsh were pinch hitters, and they they made their, their outs. Up came Schwarber. Now, there's a bunch of things that could happen with Schwarber. Obviously, we saw him hit that home run, and he could have been swinging for the fences again to hit another home run to make it 4-2. to two. Or he could have gotten a single and hoped that Hoskins and Rio Muto could also get on setting up a Harper situation in the top of the ninth. Or in the, I'm sorry, in the top of the eighth. With two strikes, Schwarber bunts and bunts foul. And 
I mean, I don't look at the only explanation for that is if the shift was just so massive that he looked and said, oh, my God, there's a massive shift. And if I just lay down a bunt anywhere past the pitcher, I'm on base. Thinking his main job is to just keep keep a rally going, get something started, get on base. That would make sense if he was leading off. With two outs and nobody on, yes, he could bring up Reese Hoskins and Rio Moto, or he could swing for the fences again. I don't know what was happening there. It was an absolutely perplexing moment and what could have been a critical moment of this World Series. But it didn't happen. It didn't happen. He bunted. I don't know what was going on. Maybe they were talking about it in the post-game show. I didn't hear it. But now, the Astros are the World Series champs. And the Phillies were a long shot. Absolute long shot. And you got to give, you know, got to give them credit. Because nobody saw this coming. Nobody saw this team being the the National League champion with all those terrific teams. And it was far from a surefire bet that the Phillies were even going to make the playoffs, let alone get to within two wins of winning the World Series. If you're going to make any bets, go to Bet Online. Bet Online is your number one source for betting football and the start of the new basketball season. Find all the latest player developments, team matchups, news, podcasts, and in-depth analysis on every game. As always, Bet Online remains your continued source for your sports wagering information with live betting and up-to-minute scores for every sport out there. The fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite teams and events, including MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online. That's where the game starts. Now, obviously, the biggest story has to be Dusty Baker. And, you know, a lot of people rooting against the Astros. And as I said, I'm not going to go into my thoughts of the overall uh, legacy of this Astros team. I will say this is a team that's going to back-to-back World Series, winning one of them under Dusty's stewardship. This was a franchise that was a pariah for good reason, a disgrace to baseball of what happened. And that was, that was their their bed. They have to lie in it. And Dusty came in and was maybe the only person to hold this to to turn things around. They had nothing to do with what happened before, and wound up managing the team to three straight trips to the ALCS. Although it's hard to to count anything that happened in the COVID season. Back to back World Series appearances and a title. He is now in the top 10 of victories by a manager in the regular season. He has taken the Giants, the Cubs, the Reds, the Nationals, and the Houston Astros, all of them won division titles with every single team I just mentioned, took two teams to the World Series in the American League and National League, is one of the few managers in the history of baseball to manage a National League and American League team to a World Series title. And, oh yeah, by the way, he's now won one. 
So he has absolutely no argument to keep him out of the Hall of Fame. He is a Hall of Fame manager. You may not like his techniques. You may scratch your head at some of his in-game decision, but he is, by all accounts and by all measurements and by all metrics, a Hall of Famer and has earned it. And if you say he's only won one World Series title, same number of Leo DeRocher's titles, same number of Earl Weaver's titles. He did it. And was a true manager, a manager of players, a manager who, you know, it's more than just when you make the pitching decisions and your strategy. It's dealing with egos. It's dealing with superstars. It's dealing with clashing personalities. And in the case of what he walked into in Houston, managing a situation that could have been an absolute, complete catastrophe. And did so with not only grace, but did so in a way that his team walked away as champions. And did it with a way that everyone admired him. Everyone saw that he was this wonderful personality, insanely likable and loving. And you got the sense when they won and they showed all the people sort of surrounding him and, and tapping him and hitting him in the dugout in, in a positive way. You know, the last time I remember a moment like that actually happened in back-to-back years. Joe Torrey, baseball lifer, never got to the World Series in his playing career. And when he finally won it as a manager of the Yankees, the big hugs that he was getting from the coaching staff, including Don Zimmer, Chris Chambliss, Lee Randolph, and the tears and everything was happening with Joe Torrey. Look, this is a lifelong Red Sox fan. It was hard not to feel good for Joe Torrey. Eventually, it became an embarrassment. Rich says, oh, okay, now he's won four. Let's pump the brakes a little. The very next year, with that weird World Series with a weird team in Florida, but it was Jim Leland who came so close three straight years of getting to the World Series with the Pittsburgh Pirates, only to leave the Pirates when they were going through that nasty rebuilding and landing in Florida and winning by the barest of margins. I remember him walking around Joe Robbie Stadium waving uh, a big Marlins flag and hugging Bobby Bonilla tight. Bobby Bonilla, who's part of so many of his wonderful teams in Pittsburgh. And the two of them finally won a World Series title wearing the teal. And it was that sense they knew what was going to happen, that the team was going to break up immediately after the series. So they had a window of opportunity of one time to try to win in Florida, and they did. And, you know, Leland eventually went to Detroit and took Detroit to a couple World Series, but winning that title in Florida was a huge thing for him, cementing his legacy. But now you got an all-time great with Dusty. And let me tell you something. It was worth Dusty Baker winning a championship. Whether you liked Houston or not, whether you root for Philadelphia United, but if you saw all the charts and all the polls and surveys, most people were rooting for Philadelphia. They were the underdog, the unlikely team, and a lot of people just still hate the Astros 
based upon the fact that they cheated and got away with it a few years ago. Again, talk about that another night. This is about positivity of the Astros. It was worth it to see Dusty Baker win if for no other reason to hear him talking about all the people he had interacted with. When he was talking in the post-game interview with um, the the Fox crew, including Ortiz and A-Rod and Frank Thomas, he brought up the fact that he interacted with Satchel Paige. Remember, Dusty Baker came up with the Braves, and there was a period of time where Satchel Paige was a coach in the Braves organization. His interaction with Henry Aaron, Dusty Baker is the answer to a wonderful trivia question, which was who was on base or who was on deck when Henry Aaron hit his 715th home run? It was Dusty Baker. But then we always knew that he knew celebrities. You know, he was friends with Danny Glover and someone said he partied with Jimi Hendrix or something. But he just casually name-dropped Scatman Crothers and advice that Scatman Crothers gave him. must have been in the 1980s because that's when he died. Scatman Crothers, the famous, I guess he was a jazz musician, a jazz singer. He scatted, as per his name. That was his nickname. He wasn't, you know, christened Scatman Crothers. Movie fans would know him because he appeared in many you know movies including the fact that he was friends with jack nicholson so he had memorable roles in one flew of the cuckoo's nest and his most famous role and his most glorious role as dick halloran the uh, head chef of the overlook hotel in the shining where it wasn't a cameo it was a massive important role in the movie and he's marvelous in the film and for people who grew up watching cartoons and ceremony cartoons he, of course, was the voice of Hong Kong Fui, who was the number one super guy. It was worth it to have Dusty Baker win the World Series, if for no other reason than to hear him name drop Scatman Crothers in the postgame interview. I got a little teary-eyed, though. I got a little teary-eyed because of the connections. I mentioned all those connections of you know, Satchel Page and Henry Aaron, Scatman Crothers, and he was friends with Danny Glover and all the superstars that he managed over the years and blah, 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 blah. And here he is winning it in the year 2022 after more than half a century of service in baseball. But there was another connection that, I'm not going to lie to you, I, I cried a little. I was thinking of my dad, as I tend to do, because he was my great friend in watching the World Series. And my mom, too. I know my mom's listening right now. My dad grew up a, gi a giant fan, both in New York and when we moved to California. Became the biggest San Francisco giant fan I ever saw. And Dusty Baker was the manager of the Giants team when the Giants stayed. Remember, they were about to move to Florida. New ownership came in. Dusty Baker was the manager. His first full year as the manager, they won 103 games, but couldn't go to the postseason because Atlanta was in the West. My father was always angry about that because that 1993 team was one of the most insanely likable giant teams in history, and it was the arrival of Bonds. 
And then Dusty managed them to the 2002 World Series, which my dad listened to while he was overseas on some trip. He was listening to it on the radio. And when Dusty took out Russ Ortiz too early, gave the game ball to him as if it was a high school football game, and the Angels rallied. My dad never could let go of that, ever. You know, Dusty is a great manager, and I did a whole episode where I was comparing him to Jean-Luc Godard, the French film director, who was unorthodox in his movies, sometimes unorthodox to a frustrating degree, but he rewrote how cinema was done. And so you can say, all right, he didn't do things by the book. He didn't do things normally, but it worked. I said, maybe that's what Dusty Baker is. Someone who doesn't do things by the book, doesn't do things normally, but in the end gets the job done. My dad never, it, I mean, they won four World Series under Bruce Bochy, or three World Series under Bruce Bochy, under the Madison Bumgarner, Tim Lincecum, you know, Buster Posey years. And he still, through the end, of, until he died, could never let go of how Dusty managed the 2002 World Series. And as brilliant as a manager is, I know Cub fans who have been frustrated, and Reds and National fans, get frustrated with his in-game management. But I was thinking about my dad, who did love Dusty as a manager. There's no getting around the success that he had. In San Francisco, yes, that first year in 93, the last year before the advent of the wild card, the Giants were on the outside looking in despite having 103 wins. He did manage them to the postseason in 1997, 2000, and 2002, narrowly missing in 1998 and 2001. Gave my dad a lot of joy, tremendous amount of joy. And when Dusty won, it was a, you know, when, when a team wins or a player wins the big one, it erases the, the times that came short at the end. We saw it with John Elway in football. We saw that with LeBron in basketball. We saw that when the Red Sox and the Cubs and all the other teams that were, um, you know, came so close all those years, that when they finally won, it erased the past mistakes. When I saw Dusty as a World Series champion manager, it wiped out all those past mistakes and all those times where he came up just short. And it probably was sweeter that he won at this point when he probably thought his career was over after he was let go from Washington. And wasn't sure if he was going to get this chance again. And he did. And everything was wiped clean. And that would include the 2002 World Series with the Giants. And so with that gone and wiped away and forgiven, I just made me think of my dad and saying, I hope wherever my dad is, and if he is watching us, I hope he can let go of that too. It's a little bit of redemption and past failures are swept away. Okay, let's uh, uh, 
you know, oh, by the way, uh, we have a listener here, and we're doing this as a live stream, and some of you have chimed in there. Nice to see you all. Uh, one of my listeners wrote something in. This is uh, Chip Hazard. It says, already thinking about a repeat. They have a real chance if they stay healthy. Feel bad for Brantley. He deserved to play in this postseason run. Yeah, that's that always happens. There's always someone who gets hurt and didn't get to be part of it. I mean, Brantley's going to get a World Series ring, obviously. He's a part of this team. He's a huge part of the Astros organization. Um, but this is – but, Chip, uh, it's funny. This is the second time a Michael Brantley injury uh, has prevented him from becoming a big part of a World Series run. He was injured and didn't play for the for Cleveland. They were called the Indians back then uh, when they went on their World Series run in 19 – I'm not 19, she's in 2016. There were several key injuries there. They didn't have Michael Brantley, they didn't have Carlos Carrasco, and they barely had Danny Salazar and still got within one swing of winning the World Series. Um, if he comes back, if they come back, do you know what? You know, if here's the deal, uh, Chip Hazard, um, you take a look at this Astros team and you take a look at the the talent they have in their pitching staff. I mean, that pitching staff is going to be there. And the thing that made me feel that this was not going to be the Astros' year, I felt the loss of Carlos Correa was going to be a a monumental loss. And I couldn't imagine the rise of Jeremy Pena. Now, of course, Pena hits the huge home run to clinch the division series against Seattle. Pena wins the... uh, American League Championship Series MVP. And today he won the ALCS MVP. And I'm let me just say one thing. I am not in 10,000 years going to belittle Jeremy Pena's performance in this year's World Series. He batted 400 if you like batting average. His on-base percentage was 423. His slugging percentage was 600. So in the 6 games he had a 1.023 OPS. That's pretty spectacular. I think we can all agree on that. He was elected the World Series MVP. So he is in the short list of people who have been World Series MVP and League Championship Series MVP. I Again, I'm not bad enough. I'm going say he had a bad series. I just would not have given him the MVP. And I'll tell you why. I think Framber Valdez was the World Series MVP this year. Absolutely. He now look at he won his two games. I don't really care about decisions, but he got the victory in game two. He got the victory in game six, the clincher. Think about the game he pitched in game two. It was one day after the Phillies startling comeback where they were losing five nothing and they came back to win in extra innings. Framber Valdez came out, pitched in seventh, striking out nine in six and a third innings, and shutting down that offense that looked like it was able to score at will. And here we go today on the clincher. And he pitched six brilliant innings where he struck out nine and only let up the home run to Kyle Schwarber. That was really the only blemish on his record. His overall record, again, the 2-0 if you like the win-loss records, I take that with a grain of salt. But 
He pitched uh, 12 and a third innings and struck out 18. He struck out 18 and 12 and a third innings. He let up two runs in 12 and a third innings. And he only walked two, uh, he only walked uh, five batters. 18 to five strikeout to walk ratio. Two runs overall. Finished with an ERA of 1.46. And the two games he won were the game, uh, the, uh, the game that was, Right after the uh, you know the the disastrous loss and the clincher, so I think Framber Valdez deserved it. Now, of course, if they had another, if they went to a game seven, and when you know Schwarber hit the home run, the Phillies had the lead. You know, Valdez was in line to have a tough luck loss, and then they handed the ball to Christian Javier, and he wound up would pitch a good solid seventh game. May have to give it to him because, you know, he kind of threw six no-hit innings. Not a knock on Jeremy Pena. To me, Fran Valdez was the MVP. Uh, Frank, there's a guy named Frank uh, Quiroz, I think is how you pronounce his last name. I can't put up your comment because Frank is a Yankee fan. Um, I'll read it with the censoring. F the Astros and their whole city of Houston. The whole nation hates you. Only Texas is happy about this championships. F all y'all. Well, it's good to see Frank is uh, taking it well. Um, yeah, most people were rooting against the Astros. That's true. They were the villains. The villains won this one. I happened to be rooting for them because of Dusty Baker and the connection with my dad. But if the Phillies had won, I would have been fine. In fact, part of me was hoping for a Phillies rally because I wanted to see a game seven tomorrow why did i want to see a game seven tomorrow well for the drama of it obviously game sevens are amazing i'm not ready to say goodbye to baseball think about it. we started this year with the potential lockout the first few weeks of the season were wiped out and it looked like oh my god were we gonna have a season was it gonna be another truncated season except without the excuse of a pandemic were we going to even have a season instead we got a full 162 game season some really memorable games we'll go over that in my upcoming episode with miller thomas and we got a good world series this is not a great world series a great world series has seven games a great world series has more classics in this we had a really good game one we had a combined no hitter we had a thriller in game five, and we had a solid game six. This was a good game, not a great game. It was a good game. Overall, I thought this was a good World Series. Had some thrills. Had some games that were kind of, you know, just happened. And, uh, you know, I think I, I'm looking forward to another game seven, which uh, I believe the last game seven we had was when the Astros were doing their thing in 2017. But we got a full season. We got a World Series. And say what you want, and Frank just did about the Astros. They earned this one. They're a 100-win team under a ton of scrutiny and a lot of eyeballs. They earned this one. They earned it big time. And now... Well, I mean, to me, the season, like baseball ends 
after the World Series parade. To me, that's the curtain call. To me, that's the moment when Han and Luke get their medals at the end of Star Wars. You need to have that finale. So that one's going to come up. And then we face the winter. Now, there's going to be stuff we're going to be talking about this week. We're not done talking about the World Series. Um, you know, some will uh, discuss basically how the series unfolded and everything and some of the thoughts in the aftermath. But right now, I'm just thrilled we got a season. And I'm going to miss baseball tomorrow. I'm going to miss baseball as the daily companion that it is. But now we face the winter. And while we may not have games as our daily companion, you're going to have me, your pal Sully. I'm going to be here, maybe not every day of the uh, offseason, but you know, at least for the next couple of months, I'm still going to be doing my five a week. And then well, maybe we'll go down to three a week right around Christmas time. But all offseason, this is when you need this show the most. During the regular season, if you need a baseball fix, you just watch one of the games. But I'm here to know, let you know that during the offseason, if you need to fix a baseball, you need to just hear someone talking baseball, talking hot stove league, talking baseball trivia, being nostalgic, doing quiz shows, all those things. We're going to do them all here. And if it's Christmas and you're walking around or whatever holiday you, you celebrate in December when it gets all chilly and you just are missing baseball, I'll have a show for you. I'll have a show for you. And I hope all during this offseason you make us your first listen. Your second listen, check out Locked On Sports today. Uh, from the games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports, go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and inside that only Locked On can provide. Locked On today. Locked On Sports today. It's available on this app, YouTube, wherever you get your podcasts. That's late. It's late. It's a uh, quarter to midnight. Frank, isn't it past your bedtime? I can't post you through. Frank, I, I found you. I like your post, Frank. I just, I'm not going to post F-bombs here. But you can post whatever you want in the chat. I'm just not going to post F-bombs on here. Because I don't want to have a mature rating on this. Even though this is truly a mature podcast. Hey, thanks so much for listening. This has been Locked on MLB for the sixth day of November 2022. Hey, it's it's daylight savings is ending, right? So you're gonna get an extra hour. Let's take advantage of that. I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully. <laughs>